When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's the thing. Here's my overall gripe with this film mm-hmm. because, you know, I watched the whole movie. I did I did watch the entire movie of Drag. part 1 of Dune, which they don't say that on any of the posters or this anything. Is part one, this sure. is Dune part 1. Uh-huh. I knew there are 10,000 books, so I should have assumed that mm. this is Dune part 1, but on the posters they just say Dune, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> and you think you're going to watch Dune, and what you're going to watch is the opening Aunt Brew, Uncle Owen sequence of Dune, and that's all you get. Mm-hmm. The next movie I, I is the called thing. Also Dune. <laughs> I, yeah, it's Dune even it again. more Dune. <laughs> Dune yes, <laughs> I didn't have a bad time with it. Was it a boring movie? Yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. But was it a bad movie? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. The costumes were very fun. Mm -hmm. Again, Oscar Isaac is showing a lot of skin in this flick. Not the the skin that we need, though. (laughs) Yeah, sure, sure. There is more skin that could have been shown, and I really think that they could have, like, you know, shelled out some cash for that. Whatever. That's fine. I didn't have a bad time with it, though, because I could play with my phone because I was in the comfort of my own home. Mm. I wasn't disrupting anybody's experience of this film Mm. uh, by being in my home. But the director is very insistent that his movie needed to be watched in theaters. And that upset me very much Uh because I don't like going into theaters. And right now, that could also somehow result in me either dying or being sent to the hospital. Mm. So your movie needs to be extremely good if I have to risk my life to see it. I was very excited too because going to the cinema was such a large part of my childhood. My my dad works in TV and film, so it was a big thing we did together. So once uh, we were able to go to the cinemas again, it's like, yeah, let's go to the cinemas. Let's watch something good. And then I just watched Cruella. Like, what a way to return. <laughs> <laughs> cinema. Um, Two, the way that you kind of described this, like, was this a boring movie? Yes. Was it a good movie? Also, yes. The outfits were really good. It's like, oh, so it's just Jupiter Ascending then. That's fine. I understand. Um, (gasps) No, Jupiter Ascending, first of all, Jupiter Ascending is a much better movie than Dune. Okay. Wow. If if you're out there listening right now and you're a nerd who got mad about that, I will fight you because I know I could give you a swirly. <laughs> if you care that much about Dune, I know I could physically overpower you and give you a swirly. Wow, well, okay. I have is to a dog man. What, what, yeah, I was going to like? say, I was going to say more, more movies need sci-fi werewolves on like hover rollerblades to whisk me away, bridal carry <laughs> into the air. <laughs> oh. Is that what's in part two? I've not read the books of Dune. I assume that's like the part two Probably, that we'll be right? seeing. Yeah. If that's in part two, if if that's what's coming up, I think I can forgive it.
So Travis and Oromar chase the changeling through the woods. I want to know, because we've established that Oromar is supporting Travis, but Travis, I think you, a person who has entered into more than anyone's fair share of magical deals, feel the pull of (laughs) the deal that you have just made quite forcefully. (laughs) I, I think... Tying this deal to your Ocus, internally, you can hear the ticking of a clock. Mm. So you know how long, instinctually, you will have to face this trial. And you will also have the option of, you can't accidentally fail this. You will always have the awareness of when you are doing something that might fail. Mm. And the wicked point that I wanted to preserve in your deal definitely (laughs) remains. You cannot gamble for the next three weeks, which means you cannot do anything that you are not sure of succeeding. Uh. (laughs) So I never make a bet I won't win anyway. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Does that mean that I could gamble if I knew with certainty that I would win? I think so. You know, uh, <laughs> it is. Yeah, this is actually it's so funny that you mentioned that Travis never gambles unless he knows he's going to win. That is the first and like really only lesson that my mother ever taught me about making a bet. Uh, she said, never enter a bet in your life unless you know you are going to win if you're wagering something important. Mm. Which is why I am not a fan of gambling uh, for for the most part. Yeah, because traditional gambling involves risking things. But yeah, Mm. I think if, if somebody made a bet that's like, I'll bet you couldn't turn into a snake, fucking you could take that bet. Because it is not a wager. Mm-hmm. You simply can turn into a snake. Right, but good it does mean it does mean you have to be very cautious. You cannot physically chase this creature unless you know you're going to catch it. Mm. So uh, just to double check, legally, <laughs> I could make any bet I wanted. And would only lose my bet with the captain if I also lost that bet. Jeez. <laughs> if you could, but if you could lose that bet, you're a, a sensational Illimat player, but Illimat still has luck in it. So you could never gamble over Illimat. And the, the, the question that you kind of have to face in literally everything that you do is, is there a chance of me not being able to do this? If you were, for instance, to get drunk, you would not be able to pick up your glass anymore without accepting failing the bet if there was a chance that you might fail to drink the liquid inside. You know, if you've ever just fucked up drinking and like it's gone down the wrong pipe and coughed or whatever, you would have an awareness before you picked up your glass to do that that would prevent you from being able to do that without accepting defeat. Okay. A, this is an alarmingly miserable bet. I'm sorry. It's Uh, very good. That's what Travis does. Mm. He gets in alarmingly miserable situations. (laughs) B, I know that when Travis is human and has the heart physically on them, we've established that there's a little bit of like being able to pick up on how Oromar is feeling. 
do you still get that while the heart is part of your general being? I would assume. Yeah, I have okay. to imagine. You feel from Oromar like two streams going at once emotionally. One of them is like like the like pursuing killer in a horror movie. And in fact, there is probably a cut-in of Oromar pursuing through the trees that would be like a shot of like a some dead by daylight shit of uh, of uh, <laughs> moving through these trees. And then running along on top of that is Oromar doing a large number of tactical calculations in terms of where he's placing himself to redirect essentially our target in a big horseshoe shape back to the start again, trying to get our target to basically run back towards where Oromar believes you to be and knows exactly where you are because we are connected. So you can almost see see or feel a bit of a percentage chance loading bar that's <laughs> going on in the back of Oromar's head of the certainty of his situation. He doesn't know that you are currently going through a bit of a, a, a turmoil in terms of doing a, a set deal, but you do have an impression on how confident Oromar feels about how this plan is going, at the very least. So... James, I gotta tell you, this sucks because it's just gonna make every single thing absolute agony. You know, like every single. <laughs> I mean, it sucks in a fun way. Yeah. Like, so I'm not sure if I'm gonna be able to catch catch this fucker. <laughs> right now, no. And I, I think, God, I want something. Make a knowledge forbidden check. Okay. Make oh. it make it average and give yourself two blue dice because Ooh. this is exactly the sort of shitty situation Travis gets himself into all the time. <laughs> Those two blue dice recognize Travis living Travis's life for an excruciatingly long period of time. Uh, what was the difficulty again? Average two purple. Uh, three successes and two advantages. Okay. Okay. So the thing that you are getting from this situation, like the difficulty is like, yeah, if I am going to commit to catching this person and like actually the the, the bigger thing, like I think the advantages are, are providing the back of your mind originally when you talked about doing this, like we know Travis's internal thought process is like, yeah, I'll agree to kill someone for the Forest Queen because I know that I can just find a way to weasel out of that shit if I want to anyway, right? Mm. So you realize if you are going to kill this creature, or I will say this person, they are a changing. If you're going to kill this person, you have to know that you are going to kill them. And if you are going to spare them, find a way out of the deal, you have to know that you are going to spare them. To do either, you must find certainty. And Johnny, what makes this delicious? And what I love very much is this is a thing that Nathan has presented to us as a gift that I did not plan on and had no idea Nathan was doing. But Travis's whole shit right now is not being certain about anything that he has done. He knows that he is a a faded lover for Margaret, part of one of the most important love stories that exists in the universe. But the fact that he is part of that makes him uncertain about it. 
So this reflects your whole shit. The other thing that I'll say, because again, this was a wildly successful role, is part of your issue right now is being a key deer slash actualot, you know, chimera creature in these mangranil in this forest, in the Forest Queen's domain, this being is unbelievably sure-footed. You're following, you know, flying, the undaunted by the forest. And Oromar is aiding you the best he can, you know, trying to herd and, and prevent this creature from breaking away from you, which is incredibly important as it can move through this area extremely gracefully, like water flowing over craggy rocks. It moves that way because it is the most designed to move through an environment like this being that could ever possibly be. So the thing that you know for certain, if you're going to catch a being that is a child of the forest queen, a forest son, you're not going to catch it in a fucking forest. Have we have we decided what this person's name is? We haven't, and I would love one. <laughs> hmm. Oh wait, maybe maybe I did name this person. Uh, let me see. Okay, Tony Montana. So, Tony <laughs> Montana is good, but I can see some problems. Oh yeah, uh, I I decided to try and name this person in a Travis Matico tradition. So the one that I came up with was Raul Garou. Okay. That's very good. <laughs> okay. As I'm like flying, looking down at Raul, what I I suspect to be Raul. And when, when the forest queen asked me, I didn't know that it was him. She just said, this changeling is in this place. Yep. Okay. Uh, I'm going to land. And call out, Raul, I want this to be a role. It might have to be charm. Essentially, part of the issue here is this being has spent so long being Shasur Sumat that it is more that than they are Raul. Like I said, you can tell that this person that you used to know is in there, but the most prominent things are the axolot and the key deer. Okay, two questions. What's the difficulty? I'm going to make it hard. Okay. Second question. May I, in addition to saying the name, Mm -hmm. call out with, I'm going to assume since we used to run run a little grifts together we had some some whistle or signal that we would use to alert the other of our presence yes may i add a blue (laughs) to do that whistle or whatever you may add two blue to do that because not only not only are, are you doing that but like you are a raven so you have like you can do perfect mimicry on some mm. shit. So, like, if it is, if it was a whistle or something that is not, you know, just like a sound that you would make with your mouth or body, you can just fucking do that. So, while this role is going on, to highlight a thing, because I'm going to be using an ability after this resolves, Oromar has been radiating killing intent this entire time in this kind of similar fashion to, and it stops 
it like literally vanishes, goes dead for a while. And in this kind of like a period of calm in this surprisingly stressful situation, we hear Travis kind of call out to Raul. So it's not, there's a call to Raul while there's a thing stalking them in the woods. That that kind of pressure goes away. I think that Travis, because Travis doesn't know that there's something stalking them. So I think his first instinct is like, oh man, he ate that bird. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Love oh, that. Oh, dang. I... Uh, we're not going to get our deposit back on that fucking bird. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, man. Uh, well, Gabe will probably put down the deposit, so it's fine. We just have to get a bird exactly like that one. Or find a similar <laughs> bird and paint it the color of that yeah. bird. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Love that. Love that. I like the idea that this is a factor of like the link between... Travis and Oromar, you know, at first Oromar was picking up on the fact that we're chasing something and I will support that chase. And when you feel the shift away from chase to like try and calm and and reason or ration, you support in the best way you can. And like, yeah, spiritually, when Oromar tries to intimidate someone, Oromar now knows that there is something beyond body posture or whatever. There is a spiritual killing intent that people intentionally sometimes and unintentionally most of the time project from themselves. All Mm. hunters do this to pray. It is the natural sense of life and death that all creatures live with. Oromar knowing this and supporting Travis uh, and being a spirit is able to cut that intent off to support this role which is to say johnny you may upgrade your dice as well because oromar is assisting you in this so i have two yellow does that mean i just add a green Mm -hmm. uh yes in fact it does then we will have two threats two successes and one triumph okay Wow, a lot of triumphs this episode holy shit i mean i love love that for us (laughs) I must admit I do too. As 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 much as we hate to see a male wife winning, um, Travis has, has <laughs> done it yet again. The male wife is my favorite luminary. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just the other that's like another name for the changeling luminary. There's like some <laughs> some corner of sphere where they just call the changeling the male wife. And again, I'm using that term because I see our audience using it. Am I too old to understand it? Absolutely. Impossible to know. Mm. Inscrutable. I I don't know if I've done it right, but I hope that I've made either people very happy or very mad. Mm. Yeah, you want one or the other. (laughs) But ultimately, yes, more than anything, what you were trying to do with this role is to call to Raoul that is buried within the beast, that is buried within Chasseur. And you do. Like, there is a quality of this creature's eyes that change. I actually kind of think literally those forest god deer eyes change to two human eyes. So it looks even more horrifying. But it happens. More than that, we have the triumph. Hearing that, like, Raul knows that it is you and the full capacity that it is you. And I think 
actually there's more big changeling shit happening. Hmm. The brain of this creature transforms fully into a human brain inside this body, giving the creature the ability to think, you know, more rationally. And probably part of the terrible punishment that this was is just that years and years spent between two animal forms like slowly reduced Raoul's capacity for humanity. But through your voice, you were able to, whether you know it or not, confer enough of the changeling's magic to allow Raoul to be Raoul. I think, oh yeah, because we have threats. He stops running. What do you do? Raoul, what what happened? Mm. William? Yeah. Yes. Where, where are you? I, I cannot see you. I'm here. Where am I? Uh, well, how... Raoul looks at the trees around him and understands something important. Where is she? She's... She's not here. It's just me. You can see that the animal is stressed. You know, breathing heavily, obviously, because of a chase. This creature shows all the signs of of a terrified animal that is having that sheer terror being restrained by the mind of a very confused person. How much do you know about where you are? I... I made the deal... A similar deal, I imagine, to yours. And I I tried to cheat, and I failed. And so I stand between beauty and hatred. Raul, I'm surprised at you. I, I never assumed you'd try to cheat unless you knew you'd win. Sometimes... Sometimes things are worth rolling the dice. I do whatever I can to make sure that I never have to. Then how can you be sure that you are even alive? (laughs) How much time do you have? (laughs) (laughs) Not much. I can feel death at my back. I have for some time. You... You are her son. I am. But in a way, so are you. We all are. In a way, yes. But in a way much deeper, when I say that to you, it is true. I... I left you the first time because I knew when I saw you that you were like me and so very different from me in a way that terrified me and yet you kept it from me I I don't owe you anything that's fair apart from courtesy which you've shown me enough but this had nothing to do with courtesy you are the son of the most dangerous thing that I have ever encountered. 
the cruelest player that I have ever sat across from. I, William, I never trusted you, but I think we understood that there were certain limits that sat between us, and as long as you were simply a person who felt in the ways that I felt about certain jobs, that was fine. But when you became something like me and not like me, the dangers that you presented, it was a gamble that I was not willing to take. So you, Also, it's kind of the thing that you should have been smart enough to figure out on your own. It was a long time ago. I was a baby. I mean, you look, and maybe this is rude, and if that's the case, I apologize. You look fucking 30, at least, so... Well, you not know really what I, a baby. You know what I mean. <laughs> mm. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. You would like to excuse yourself from any wrongdoing or inability while also still being allowed to be ignorant. So you understand exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> because normally it's something that I want for me. Well, well you know, two... Two brothers, two apples not falling quite so far from the tree. One maybe a little farther than the other. And Raul turns to you. Like, you can see the ears kind of, like, move. They've been, like, telescoping and whatnot. They, they settle on you, and their eyes turn to you, and you can see those horrible human eyes staring out of the monstrous form of Chasseur move towards the inky black darkness of you, you know, sitting on a branch on a tree, blending perfectly into the scenery apart from your void black eyes. Birds of a feather, you might say. You might. Travis, you feel like a faint tugging at your heart. He's distracted. What's the play? Travis says to Raul, sorry, could you hold on a second? I have to take this. Oh, go ahead. (laughs) I'm not doing anything. I'll just sit here and groom. (laughs) <laughs> we're, we're connected emotionally so you don't necessarily need to have a vocal conversation <laughs> with Orimar you could just kind of like you know how I, I guess this is a way of me saying how how is how is Travis feeling here is this a conversation while you're slowly pulling the metaphorical knife from behind your back while their guard is down or are you no i'm not busy what's up <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you wearing oh just a mud-stained like coat in the middle of the woods this was embroidered with gold thread i don't <laughs> it still is yeah. <laughs> and i think the important thing or orimar is that you know the cutting stone is present mm-hmm. yeah i think i want to sort of relay to the captain like it's going okay i think just like sit tight and also i really wish you hadn't eaten that bird 
the bird is screaming at the top of its lungs, pecking at the inside of Oromar's mouth. <laughs> Who feels nothing. <laughs> but uh I, I there is like you get the you get the energy of mild confusion back at the swallowing of bird, and then an uh I guess the emotional equivalent of a oh yeah, there is a bird in my mouth right now. Um <laughs> just the kind of like, oh, I understood what that was about. I see a vibe back. You can't. You don't see Oromar anywhere, but they are clearly observing the circumstances. And now to Raoul, I want to say, how long have you been like this? I suppose it depends on what you mean. How long have I been a changeling? Probably longer than you. How long have I been... Well, I don't want to be rude to either of us, but a scoundrel? Probably longer than you also. How long have I been a cursed being, pulled from civilization, forced to live in nature and suffer while guarding the separation between life and death? Longer than I can perceive, thanks to that condition. But you know her games. I do. And I think I know how to win them. Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the moment you have all been waiting for. The newest generic mid-roll is out. That's right, this one is updated, and it's more generic than ever. Uh, Just so everybody knows, I'm doing generic mid-rolls because I recently had a baby, and taking care of a newborn does not leave me with time to do most of my regular podcast duties. Obviously, Skyjax is going to continue posting. I'm just not going to be making bespoke mid-roll announcements for it. Heroes, our captain, our very own Nathan Blades, has designed a brand new role-playing game called The Ballad of Conjurers. It was inspired by JRPGs and the melodrama that they are famous for. And you can pick it up right now on Itch for just five bucks. You can find it by looking Nathan Blades up on Itch or by following the link in our show notes. Heroes, I've also got something new coming out. I wrote a direct follow-up to my very first book, The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide, called The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide Expanded Genres Edition. Basically, we took the concept of prompts and exercises to help you develop backstories for characters at your role-playing table, or really any original characters you want to work on, that use game mechanics to make the process easy and fun, and we expanded it way past the fantasy adventure genre while also including exercises for fantasy adventure. If you're the type of person who loves thinking about your characters or characters in any property that you love, I highly recommend picking up this book. It's coming out in June, but you can pre-order it right now. And pre-ordering is super important. Not only does it tell the bookstores that people are interested in this book, but it tells my publisher that people are interested in this book, and it helps me publish more books and therefore support myself and my family. You can pre-order a copy now by heading to bit.ly slash rpgbackstory2, and that's two as in the numeral two, or by going anywhere books are sold and signing up for a pre-order. That is all major online retailers. 
every major brick-and-mortar bookstore, and of course your favorite indie brick-and-mortar bookstores. And I always recommend you go to an indie bookstore or a friendly local game store to order a copy because it helps out so many people. So put yourself down for a pre-order for the Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide Expanded Genres Edition today. With that said, first I want to thank Lex the Lexicon Artist for joining us as a guest for this arc. In addition to our regular game, for this arc we're playing StarCrossed, the two-player Forbidden Romance RPG. StarCrossed was designed by my dear friend and former network member Alex Roberts and is published by Bully Pulpit Games. You can pick up your own copy of StarCrossed by following the link in our show notes. A big thank you to all the cast and crew who are involved in producing the music for this arc. That is not just our guest for the arc, Lex the Lexicon Artist, but it's also Arnie Parrott, our house musician, Tyler Davis, who you're going to be hearing later on, James Mendez-Hodes, who wrote some lyrics for one of the songs that'll be appearing much later on in the arc, and of course, Casey Tony, our editor, for choosing when and where it appears in the show. And also a huge thank you to Tracy Barnett, who assisted Casey Tony on the editing for this arc. As always, one of the biggest thank yous goes to our Patreon patrons who made everything you're listening to possible by supporting the show. Let's thank them right now. Thanks to everyone who supports us already and everyone who's going to support us in the future. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. There's another factor that I think you should be aware of. When I said that I felt death was at my back, and I asked you if death was you, how much do you know about our dear mother? Well, too much and not enough, it always seems. Being the way that I am, I don't get to talk to the people that come into these groves, because my duty is simple and straightforward, and in exchange for my life as punishment for breaking my deal, I must protect this border. And I protect it not just from people, but I protect it from forces beyond. The Mariner and Rusalka alike. I can stray towards those forces. And I've had a few conversations. Because I'm bored... And the queen does control life and death in a certain sense. But her control isn't and can't be unnatural. She can't kill either of us, really, on her own. She needs someone else to do her dirty work. I could never kill you. But you could kill me because of what you are. And that terrified me. William, which is one of the reasons why I left. Are you content with your current situation? No, but I don't want you to murder me either. Well, I I don't want that. Either. I know you were trying to say something to assure me, but I also know that you're not sure, and that's fine. No, I don't think I want to murder you. 
I guess that is comforting, actually. I also think that we might be able to find some sort of mutually beneficial arrangement. Well, from one con man to another, (laughs) I've heard that line a lot. Because I've said it? (laughs) Because I've said that line? I don't know if that was clear. Well, here's the thing. I will admit that you've been around longer than I have. You probably know more than I do, and you might even be better at... Handsomer? Well... Go ahead. Sorry. I, I will be honest, mm. Handsomer was not one of the things on my list. A better dancer. <laughs> but I do think there is one thing that I might be better at than you, and that's knowing when to roll the dice and knowing whose dice to roll. And they're not today yours. I think we can both outsmart the queen together i think i'll tell you what william i would appreciate that very much can you do it on your own or do you need help because i think i know someone who could help us but she might maybe and i don't know i really want to emphasize that i don't know kill you dead But bonus, not the queen. Does Travis know? So the captain knows that the cutting stone is like around. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does Travis understand that from whatever connection that he and the captain have at the moment? As this conversation is going, you're kind of getting a, a sense of impatience, a sense of pressure of a kind of like, what's the call? I actually want to cut over to Oromar real quick because. Okay. Uh, so, so cards on the table, and this can be edited out if it's not due to whatever. I have a, a talent that I've not used yet uh, called Dramatic Entrance. Uh, once per mm-hmm. session, your character may, I guess, pull a luminary because we don't use story points uh, to use this talent to enter a scene or encounter they're not currently participating in at an opportune time, no matter how unlikely their arrival. Mwah. Love it. Let's do it. Imagine knowing how to play this game. Yeah. uh, This was going to be a way to incapacitate your target if this was a thing that you called for. But I think because the approaching cutting stone has continued to keep advancing while this conversation has been going and you haven't given a call for the circumstance, Oromar is like, we move or we die is what you kind of get in terms of feeling from Oromar. And I think it's almost as if the Axolot Deer Amalgam kind of like moves away. Their, their head like moves away out of line of sight. They're no longer looking at the beady black eye void in the darkness. And the moment that they're not maintaining line of sight, there is a very swift movement off camera. We see trees move we feel the wind blast and they look back and travis is no longer there because oromar has essentially just kind of leapt Mm. out of the kind of undergrowth into the tree full body grabbed travis and is now sprinting at full pelt what are you doing the cutting stone is here we cannot stay oh 
They were not running from us. It's here. Yeah, and the thudding thump of, like, Raoul's hooves against, like, the mangrineel, like, moves up behind you. The what? She's already made a deal. William, William, it wasn't you sent to kill me. It was us to be drawn together so she could take care of both of us at once. (laughs) I think this is perfect. Two impressive things here. That Raul is keeping pace with <laughs> us going at maximum speed, which, sure, they, they know the forest like the back of the hand. So the fact that they're able to just kind of keep up is like its own, like, oh, oh, okay. I feel like there's just an Oromar shaped like hole through the forest, like in a cartoon. Oh, it is very much a straight line. Yeah. That Excuse we're me? Doing here. We're linebacker charging <laughs> through these trees. <laughs> I think you can feel the presence of the Forest Queen like someone full rage banging their fists against a bulletproof window. Like, she is here, this is her place, but she is not permitted to be in it in the way that she is in all forests. For reasons that you can't tell right now. But you can feel the touch of her. You can also now feel the icy presence of the cutting stone. You have felt the maligned killing intent of the mangrineel trees here that are remnants of the mariner's hatred being sucked out of the briny water and digested. But there is another presence that you feel. And because of the luminary that I pulled for Nathan being able to enter this scene. Maiden. It feels kind and beautiful and familiar. You feel like Margaret is (gasps) calling to you. Oh, great. She needs to steal something from someone. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, fuck. You start to change. And against your will, you change slowly into Travis Madigan, your human form, as two things happen. The first is that Margaret once again needs to use one of your animal forms, and therefore it is not yours. And so, somewhere, Margaret transforms into a raven. Second, you feel what you felt when Margaret shouted to you from the churning river all of those years ago. It was not a call for help. It was a call of distress, and it was also a declaration of love that beckoned you forward. And you feel it coming from the edge of the forest. Are we running towards where I feel it? Yeah. Okay, well then... I don't think that the captain is probably holding me anymore, since I'm I'm a big boy now. Or are you? Armor is literally strong enough to basically carry you over one shoulder while sprinting at full pelt. But if yeah. that is not the energy that you want, and you want to be magically now running alongside, that is also entirely well. I think fine. this I think this is probably better for me because I don't think I could run really through this very well. Mm. I love the lack of dignity. <laughs> Mm, oh, Can yeah, it? this is not. <laughs> oh, just at least watch my head. Death has chased me endlessly for the last six months and will not catch either of us today. Well, I found out fairly recently that it's been chasing me for 
a couple hundred years. And I don't intend to die today either. And, for the record... Then shut up and watch your head. (laughs) (laughs) Or Marlike lifts an arm and blocks a tree branch that would have taken it clean Uh. off. (laughs) Also, I think, like, a little splinter or, 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 like, a little thing of sap, like, comes off and lands on your hand. And you feel the extreme pain of, like, the mariner's Mm. hatred coming at you. Being in the form of a man in this forest is deeply, deeply dangerous. But I think the three of you feel a power, a power growing. And Raul says, she is here. And Travis, I feel like, again, you're so familiar. You had such a great knowledge for Bitten Roll earlier. Maybe this is just a hint of you having lived your life so long. You kind of understand things. There is a physical and spiritual part of you that wants that to mean that Margaret is drawing closer. But there is a part of you that is awake and alert enough to know that Raoul does not mean Margaret, does not mean the maiden. You know that someone is singing to you in the maiden's voice because you know Margaret's voice on a spiritual level. And even if it sounds very similar, you know when someone or something is trying to deceive you. Which is why, in your running, all three of you, you feel not a voice, but in the way that luminaries can speak without speaking, someone announced, I can shelter you, but I cannot promise that you will live. Are you willing to accept those terms? I... think because I'm in a liar liar I can't yeah Travis you're in a tough spot you know that whatever you do next you have to do with intention and all cards on the table you slowly are putting the puzzle pieces together I'll let you know you are headed towards where The river meets the sea with the mangrineal in between. The mariner's domain on one side, the queen dividing the two, and Rusalka's domain on the other. Who could call to you in Margaret's voice? It would be Rusalka. The thing famous for drawing people into the river and ending their lives. And... If we stop running, the cutting stone gets us. Yes. Now, (laughs) what does that mean exactly? The cutting stone getting us. You saw what happened to Dref. Almost certain death. The captain has, like, you now turning, I think, actually, with your moonshine eyes you can look and see the swarming collection of the cutting stone like looming in around you. The forest queen cannot walk these groves as part of the agreement. And the forest queen, you know now, cannot kill you. Or Raoul, for that matter. But she can make deals with other luminaries to do her dirty work for her. It's very clear now that she made a similar deal roughly 
195 years ago to attempt to kill you and successfully, with an asterisk, kill Margaret. See, every single one of these things is a gamble. Mm. And I was not expecting to be sort of outsmarted into (laughs) gambling this quickly. (laughs) (laughs) So the thing that I think if you want to not lose the bet, you can decide to lose the bet and that can be fun. Mm. But if you want to not lose the bet right now. You can leave it up to me. I'm currently carrying it. So if you don't make a decision, Oromar is going to make a decision on how to proceed. And that's, that's not gambling. That's just that's not a, gambling. That's somebody making a choice for you. That's just accepting that you're not in charge. So do, do I sort of have, because you said I, I am aware that this is not actually Margaret calling, but is Rusalka. And I feel like that does potentially kind of protect me in a sense from her like killing me because I can be like I know what this is is it ain't gonna work yeah you know okay. her power like so you can be pretty confident that you're not gambling on like you don't want to die and Rusalka is not gonna make you willingly walk into the river okay yeah then let's then I'll let I'll let the captain carry me to Rusalka mm-hmm I'll let him. (laughs) (laughs) And so your group runs, and I think you know that you've hit the edge of the forest when Raoul's gait stumbles because he no longer runs with the fluidity of a creature born to stalk a forest stalking a forest. He has left the domain and also, and importantly, left his post for now. He does not sit at the intersection. And we can see the cutting stone swarming and stopping at the bank. There is not a maelstrom, not in the sense that we mean of a sphere maelstrom, but like a literal real-world maelstrom before you. Maelstrom's are not cyclones. They are cyclones that would exist in a body of water. You know, a a, a Mm -hmm. sinking funnel. This is the area where water becomes brackish. The Mariner Sea on one side and the Rusalka's River on the other with the maelstrom between them creating eventually the brackish water that forms the swamplands that make up Duhmignon. And you edge closer to the riverbank, and you can see emerging from it a dark-eyed creature that looks as though its hair is made of, I guess, algae. There, algae looks like like a dark sort of green hair mm. underneath water, and hair also has that quality underwater of like that swimming beautiful Mm -hmm. mass that is kind of indefinite that is what her hair looks like in and out of water her eyes are dark and still somehow luminous everything about her looks alien and i think the thing that is definitely striking that we can see now because we know the audience we 
know what Gable knows, which is that Rusalka is a fallen. On her back, over her shoulder, we can see where her wings have been carved away. And I think we can also see a ribbon around her neck. William, how I have longed to talk to you. And oh, I feel that everyone is here now. And there is a snap and a pop as Gable appears, holding their feather, which is currently connected to Rusalka in their hand. <laughs> I think Oromar opens their mouth in surprise and the bird flies out. <laughs> <laughs> the bird circling your head, swearing away. Like, I think both Travis and Raul flinch because, again, they don't, birds don't have language, but this bird is swearing. And, like, it's the most brutal f- swearing that anyone has ever heard in their entire lives. <laughs> circling around, like, the edges of where this power exists, there is a gathering of shades dressed in gray. Hooded, pale, death incarnate, the cutting stone. I, uh, go by Travis now. Of course. And that is something that I am willing to honor. Travis, Madigo, and you. It's been such a long time. Gable, you are face to face with Rusalka. And you've been face-to-face with Rusalka before. You cut back to Gable in full armor, staring at the poor creature that was cast down from the Sovereign's heaven, (gasps) and the head, which Gable disconnected from her body, staring back to Gable, both of you utterly shocked to be experiencing the truth that you are experiencing. Wow. Have you both met? (laughs) We used to work together, more or less. I don't love that. I don't love this either. Love it or not, we have a lot to discuss. I'm going to touch Rusalka. What are you hoping to gain from that? Just curious. To see how tangible she is. She's there. Her skin feels like your skin. I think the thing that I'll definitely let you know is that she has more feathers than you. Sister, how did you come to be this way? I will reveal that. And for a price, Travis Matico, I will reveal to you something that you need to know. Something that the queen was hoping to prevent you from ever knowing if you do a favor for me. Is this a favor or a wager? I'm in a little bit of a liar liar right now. What do you mean you're in a liar liar right now? I'm in a liar liar. Like the, What do you mean you're in a liar liar right like now? Like the play Liar Liar? I've seen the play with John Carmi. <laughs> okay, Liz, I love this uh, because I was I was going to call him James Lug. Just like a different name for Jim and a different name for Carrie, but John, John Carmi. Carmi 
is disgusting, and I love it. <laughs> I've seen it. What do you mean you're with a, who's who? Who put the liar liar on you? This guy. Ormar, did you do a liar liar on on Travis? Ormar is non-responsive. There is a. Uh, it's not fight or flight that Ormar is currently in, but essentially his posthumous pursuers are in arm's length and are not making a grab for his soul, but also he's now doing a thousand calculations at once. Uh, if he needs to haul ass, how mm-hmm. he can do that without, you know, putting himself in spirit jail. And, oh, uh, the, cut- <laughs> the cutting stone. Wait, also, who are you? Who's this little guy? I'm Raul. Hi! <laughs> cool. Uh, fantastic. I taught your friend everything he knows. All the bad bits? Because it's mostly all of it not good. Probably. <laughs> Pro- I'm, I'm tired of lies and... Uh, probably, yes. Uh, Though he was pretty bad before, in my defense. I've always been a, just a, a rascally fella. <laughs> just watching you bicker between each other <laughs> I, I i think there is a snap and the river turns to rapids very quickly and you can feel rusalka's power as she goes our group has much to discuss Scotty We return once again to the long line of prospective applicants in front of the skyship Uhuru. We see uh, another person leave the line and uh, approach the table with headshots and resumes. Uh, Can I get a description of this person? Uh, Yes. So um, I am a a, a sort of skinny individual, uh, quite lanky, I think. Um, I'm wearing a, a lovely, a lovely blue onesie. Uh, with a little logo um, on on the uh, on the uh, right breast and a, a number seven on the left, um, I am slimy and of <laughs> indeterminate appearance. Interesting. It was never established. Good day. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, th- thank you so much for uh, your headshot and resume. Do you happen to have one um, that is a little drier? Oh, um. No, uh, but uh, uh, you'll find that a little bit of soap and water, and that'll clean right up. Oh, okay. Um, all right, and then, um, and then Janet leans out the into the hallway. Uh, can we get someone with a mop? Uh, can we get the, the the trail to the to the desk uh, mopped up? Thank you. All right. So, um, sorry about uh, that that last person that kind of singled you out. Um, oh, what's yeah. your name, and and what are you trying to do on the on the ship? Uh, David Seven. Um, and, David Seven. Uh, yes, really. I'm. I'm just looking for for a general change. Um, so I, I'd be willing to do pretty much anything. Um, oh. Oh, although, uh, if if you're interested, I I could maybe provide some catering services. I I, I did bring a muffin for everybody, and um, as I heard the yelling um, <laughs> uh, 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 in front, I I did actually do the reading. 
Um, so, so I, I do know who you all are. Uh, so, so prove um, it. Here, here. <laughs> Sorry, I said only, prove it. Only prove okay. it if you uh, want well, to. Here is, um, here is a, a small muffin. Um, for for for, for Johnnet, there you go. Uh, Gable, <gasps> I've got you a bit of a larger one. Um, uh, Captain Captain Vale, there there is one for you. And uh, Tra- Travis, here is a different muffin. Oh, so you only you. know us by our muffin size preferences. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm, I I do like to consider a little bit of a muffin expert. I, I find the best way to to learn something about a person is either to be screamed at uh, screamed at by them for multiple hours, uh-huh. um, or to bake them a muffin. Mm. A, a podcast oh. really is someone screaming at you for a couple hours, isn't it? Mm. Right. <laughs> And then you in, say good job, and you go about your day. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, in more ways than one, in, in my case, I found. Arma looks at this muffin. It is covered in slime. He unhinges his jaw and just puts it entirely oh. in whole. Closes his jaw. There is a grinding sound. Oh. <laughs> uh, what's that mouth feel like, Cap? <laughs> I uh, haven't managed to um, connect up uh, the <clears throat> taste buds yet. So Fair. all I can say is that was a muffin. Nods solemnly. <laughs> Success. <laughs> well, I, I gotta say, uh, this is probably the most perfect size muffin that I could ever imagine. I, I feel like I could, I could have it maybe with some coffee and s- feel like I ate something, but n- like I'm not being weighted down. This is this is perfect. Oh, well, so are, are you are you trying to to work in the kitchen? Um, well, I, I could definitely do that. Um, I, I, you know, at one point did have uh, the ambitions to run my own cafe, uh, oh. but unfortunately the venue exploded. Um, okay. Well, Imogen sort of burned it down first, but then it exploded. Okay. Um, it, it was a it was a multi stage process of deconstruction, but but fundamentally, uh, yes, I could provide that. I'm also very good at organisation. Um, I'm very good at working with quite difficult colleagues, um, and I'm extremely Prove good it. at avoiding debt. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, Travis. Uh, can I do anything for you? No. Okay, very good. That's <laughs> very difficult. And there you go. Asked and answered, of course. <laughs> Fantastic. What? Mm. Wow. That's so wonderful. Uh, let's see. Well, I, I, so uh, one of the things that uh, it's a big ship, but uh, it's also a big crew, so space is a little bit limited. Uh, is there anything that we need to be mindful of when uh, setting up your your living arrangements? Is there any kind of personalities that you don't necessarily want to be bunked next to or anything like that? Uh, are any of your crewmates called Trexel Geistman? Now, hold on one second. I, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, wait a minute. So that... The person that uh, we just interviewed that, if we're all being honest, is standing in the doorway. Yeah. Um, I bought that, right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just in case I'm needed, if anybody needs anything. No. Actually, I have a couple of questions if I'm allowed that, to no, ask. You've already please. done yours. Nope, he's already done his. Well, I'm getting mixed messages here. One person says please, the other one is the person who's kind of sort of like shoving me towards the door. You know what? If I'm given the choice... I'm going to go with the one that seems to want me here. I mean, I, I mean, what, what am I supposed to do? I am but a man of sorts. I'm just going to get on with it, please. I'm going to screw you up like a ball of paper and throw you over the side if you don't. Oh, is it? Oh, that's oh, how it is. Oh, is it? Oh, who's the big clone now? Now this I like. I'm, I'm also intrigued. I do love drama. It's so. It's see for me. This feels like a package deal. Oh no. 
Oh, I'm happy but, to go as a, if it if it means but, I've got the in. I'm happy to come as now, a pair. Uh, well, okay, ha- hang on. package together. Now, no, so little if, little, if, little little muffin package. No, you, you know how I mentioned that our previous workplace exploded. Um, that that was yes. that was part of the package, okay. and the specifically the bit of the package that was called Trexel Geisman. Yes. Okay. Okay. Right. okay. All right. Uh, all right. So that's great to know. That's great to know. Important context. Uh, Dave Seven. David Seven. D- David, please, yes. David, you know what? Uh, Can you go with Dave Seven? I really no, no, like it. No. Now, Davey boy. Dave Seven. Uh, okay, hang on. We're just going to... We're gonna. I like this push. kid. I wouldn't stab him in the face if you paid me. See, it's in direct <laughs> and, opposition to uh, we're closing this door. <laughs> Wait, no, I'm actually... Here's $45. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> the other side of the door. Say, give me the money and we'll work something out. <laughs> And you just hear scuttling away. You just hear scuttling, <laughs> sort of banging, and sort scuttling? of like alu- aluminium sounds. Uh, unfortunately, you might now have Trexel in. He loves. He's them. in the walls. He loves. He loves the walls. Um, do you have vents on the ship? Because uh, you'll never. Look, you won't I'm hear anything. The only occasion. person who gets to be a horror movie monster on this ship. So uh, if he's going to be popping out of any vents, we're going to have to be playing a game of whack a mole here. Oh yeah. Anyway, Hammers continue. Well. Uh, I, I was very. Uh, the the muffin was was pr- was pretty good. Would you be able to do those like on on mass on for uh, for like scale? Yes, yes. No, I'm I'm very used to large workloads um in, in very tight deadlines um and uh well I mean if you if you if you have any like I, actually I'd love to meet some of the the kitchen staff maybe see who i'm specifically working with um, oh maybe uh, i mean somebody... i mean slam is always interested in is in uh new cooking cooking techniques so that we can go fetch him also gable you didn't eat your muffin i i'm eat your it. slime covered muffin i'm i'm saving <laughs> it for later for a later treat no gable i want to see you eat the I... slime covered muffin <laughs> i'm Happy wow. to do it. What a hill. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I'll just take the muffin top off because that way we will uh, have two separate treats. To, two become one becoming two. Oh, Gable, look at that. It's a slime filled oh, muffin. Oh, it's absolutely inserted with it. Fantastic. I, I assure you the slime is delicious. It's it's a natural process. Okay, fantastic. Um, uh, Here I go. Uh, Gable turns to the side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Mm. wow, all in one bite. Oh. Mm, yum, yum. So gooey and warm still somehow. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. uh, thank you so much for this. You, you enjoyed it? Uh, just, there's just a knock at the door. I'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> Trexel, Trexel is there in a full chef's hat and and coat. Somebody called for the chef. <laughs> Not like oh. the fella behind you. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, 
both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com, like Skyjack's Courier's Call, an all-ages-friendly actual play podcast set in the world of Sphere. Skyjack's Courier's Call follows three teens as they set out as new apprentices aboard an airship with the Swiftwell Courier Service, bringing mail and adventure across the world. Featuring Drew Merzieski, Palomi Pertap, Aaron Catano Saez, and Ali Grauer, and using the Cortex Prime system, this show is perfect for anyone just getting started listening to actual plays, and veterans of the tabletop genre alike. Join clever but anxious Kieran, bold, fast-talking Cece, and the loyal and strong June aboard the Red Audrin ship as they sort and deliver mail, encounter powerful magic, and learn the proper skills of an Ariner along the way. Right wrongs, do mercies, and take flight. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. He also co-stars and consults on Showtime's Work in Progress. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts ENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony or on his podcast, Neo Scum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. Strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.